Today we're going to be looking at the story of the good shepherd, but I want to be taking it from a little bit different point of view as the good sheep. The good sheep. Are we good sheep? Are we naughty sheep? That's what I want to look at today. That's why we receive peace, amen? Amen. So today we're going to be picking up right where Pastor Corey left off last week as I continue in John chapter 10. We're working our way through this series. There are two thoughts I immediately have when I read this section of the Good Shepherd. Many of us know it. Of those two two thoughts, my first is how common. How common is this story? How common is this this parable that Jesus lays out for us? How often we make well-known stories such as this one common. If you've grown up in church, you have read and heard preachers talk about the Good Shepherd. And how he lays his life down for the sheep, have we not? Now this is a dangerous thought and one that we should always strive to overcome because the word of God is alive and active, amen? It penetrates even to divide the soul and spirit. And so that's our goal. We should never let scripture or story or anything become too common. So that's the first thought that I had to kill early in this week. Yeah, but everyone has heard this story. Everyone knows the story of the Good Shepherd but it's alive and active. The second thought is that some might have this question, why such a drastic change or shift from talking to a man that Jesus just healed of blindness to be talking about sheep and doors and sheep folds and robbers and thieves and all this kind of stuff. There's kind of a a difference or a misunderstanding of what he's doing here. It might have even felt a little random to those present if they didn't know their scripture in that time. At one moment, Jesus is talking to that guy he just healed of blindness. And then he starts declaring about how he is a door and he is a shepherd. You might be a little thrown off in that. This is something that we have to understand, though, is it was intentional, that it wasn't random. Everything that was in his ministry that we have read in John so far, every little piece, every dot and tittle, he did it on purpose. We are finding out that, and as Pastor Corey shared last week, that most of his miracles happened on the Sabbath. He wanted to poke that bear. He wanted to stir up that religious spirit. And so we see the same thing taking place here, especially for those religious rulers who knew their scripture. You see, what we read here is another one of Jesus' I am statements. Not that he necessarily says, I am, but he is still in this story declaring, the Father is in me and I am the Father, we are one. That is an I am statement. And that's what the religious rulers didn't like. That was blasphemy. That's what they were so angry about, for him to declare that he is the Messiah without necessarily saying, I am the Messiah. Is that right? See, I don't want to just talk about this scripture that we're going to read through today, but I want us to experience it. I want us to live it. I want us to imagine the courtyard in which he taught the people. See, the purpose of living it or imagining it, the purpose for that is so that we can hold it up as a mirror or create a space or a mindset so we can compare our own Christian walk to the red letters within this page. I want it to be a standard or a test in how well, as a sheep, you hear your shepherd's voice. 
How often do we do this? How often do we say, Lord, what kind of sheep am I? Am I hearing your voice very well today? Or am I being rebellious and not listening at all? That's the question that we need to be in the habit of always asking. But before we get there, I want to take a step back. I want to look at what Pastor Corey talked about last week. See, from the way the scripture reads, there really was no time span between chapter 9 and chapter 10. There's little time between Jesus' banter with the Pharisees about the blind man, his conversation with that blind man, and then for him to stand up and declare that he is a sheep, or we are sheep, that he's a shepherd and he is a door. You see, the Pharisees refused to acknowledge the miracle. They just refused it completely, so much so that they tossed the guy out of the synagogue. They refused to see it for what it was. In their mind, a man whose sight was restored, he was a sinner. And obviously, Jesus was a sinner for performing the miracle on the Sabbath. So why would they even listen to sinners? Why would they pay attention to what sinners are saying or doing? What could a sinner possibly have taught them? And so they cast him out. They cast him and his family out. They said, you cannot be a part of this community anymore. Be gone from us. Be gone from our sight. And that sets the stage for us today. So even though we've broken this, this story up in half from Sunday to Sunday, I want you to recognize that the timeline is flowing. It's going from chapter 9 to chapter 10. There is no, there's no span of time there. 10 comes after 9, and yes, I can count. Surprising, right? Pretty sure every boy knows what comes after 10. I get lost about number 15. I'm not sure what comes after that. But where does this leave us? Where does it leave us for today? You see, we have Jesus. We have the healed blind man. We have the crowd of onlookers, the Pharisees, a synagogue, a courtyard with a bunch of sheep in it, the sheepfold, a gate. I want us to view this whole picture as one whole, as one story. See, it probably didn't look exactly like this, but in my mind, this is how the conversation would have looked. You have a man that had just been kicked out of synagogue by leaders. The crowd was in uproar, and Jesus begins talking about sheep and doors and, and being a shepherd. See, I want us to imagine this. I want us to use our childlike faith and our imagination. And if it helps you, close your eyes and place yourself there. Place yourself in that courtyard. You're in a walled courtyard. You're surrounded by hundreds of noisy people, all shouting and arguing about a healing that took place on the Sabbath of all days. Maybe you just witnessed it. Imagine the chaos and the confusion. You have your leaders on one side yelling and arguing with each other. And on the other side, you have the everyday man just wondering what's going on, thinking, I came here just so I could worship, so I could escape the chaos that the Romans are pouring onto us, the, the weight of me not having bread to feed my family. I'm just coming here so I can seek God and, and be transported into a safe place. But yet I come here and everyone's arguing and yelling. This is chaos. Can you hear the yelling? He was born blind. No, he's a liar. Jesus is a prophet. No, he's a God. No, he's demon-possessed. They walk in, and all, it's all the shouting they hear just over and over and over again. That's chaos. Can you feel the anxiety of the people there who just came to worship? They came to find peace. They came to find forgiveness. 
safety in that troubled time, not chaos or disorder, anger and fear. That's what's going on in their hearts right now. See, this is a prime example of what sheep look like. They're a timid, scared, fearful creature. To Jesus, this is all he saw in the courtyard. He saw his sheep, these people acting like sheep, scared, unsure, leaderless. And then he sees these thieves, these robbers, these leaders who are not doing a very good job, right? See, can you imagine this? Today, you walk in through those doors, you, you have that same thought. You've had a very hard, hard week. You just want to come and worship. You want to receive prayer for healing. You just want to find peace and rest. And you walk through those doors, and you have Pastor Corey and Ed and me, Riley, and whoever else just yelling and arguing each other, pushing and fighting and screaming. And what kind of anxiety or anger would you have against us? And can you imagine the feeling of walking through those doors and you have screaming and yelling? That's what you would feel if you were in this place. That's what they felt. Their leaders, the people that they come to be taught something, are screaming and yelling at each other. The anxiety they felt, the anxiety you would feel if you came in and found that, is what was taking place. That's not what should be taking place within a synagogue. It's not the proper way to think or be or act within a church. Is that right? Are you able to picture or feel that anxiety and that fear? Can you imagine what all these hundreds of people are going through? We have sheep and, and whatever else in, in the area, in their pins, making their noise and the smells and the incense and everything. It just would be confusing. Now imagine yourself standing there in that courtyard. Place yourself there. And you're looking around, and you're just ah in awe. What is going on? And you see a man raise his hands. He raises them up, and he starts to speak. Now you recognize that's Jesus. We know this man. What's he saying? See, the courtyard goes quiet. And you hear, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him and they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of a stranger. Can you imagine this calm, strong, bold voice rising above the noise and the fear and the chaos? It had to have had a great impact. It had to have. Either you'd be like, what, what is he talking about? Tapping your, your friend, Jim, what's that fella over there saying? Or you'd have such a wave of emotion such peace, something about the resonance of his voice, speaking out above the noise that would give you such an emotion of, oh, that's better. I can feel that. I want to know what he's saying. Hey, let's go over there and see what he's talking about. There had to have been that going on. I would say both. Some people are like, what is he talking about? Others are like, 
I want that. Whatever he's saying, I want it because it gives me, gives me peace, gives me joy. It fills me with something that I can't explain. I want that. There's two groups of people. One is a sheep and one is not. Either way, it doesn't surprise me why John writes in the next verse, verse 6, Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things in which he spoke to them. There had to still be so much confusion within that courtyard. There still was loud noise and arguing. But of course, in typical Jesus fashion, he recognizes this and states it again. Have you guys noticed this? In all the stories that we always share from up here, or as you're reading through scripture about what Jesus, when he shares a parable, have you noticed his prime characteristic? Is that he has patience. That he takes the time to get everyone's attention and then say it again. And it's never out of frustration or anger or resistance or why aren't they listening to me again? It's never haughty. It's with peace and patience for his people. See, there's something that we can take from this, something we can learn from it. I know I can. I'm no patient Pete, let me tell you. See, Jesus continues. And in my eyes, what I imagine is he, he recognizes that he has everybody's attention. Now we can take, and he probably sits down. And now there's peace. There's peace around him. He has, he has their eyes on him. He can quiet his voice. And he can start to share what it means to be a good shepherd. Are you there? Can you imagine what's going on in that courtyard? I believe that's what he was doing here. One way is to grab their attention. The second way is to talk to him as you would sheep. See, it's always interesting when you read the scripture. You almost hear two different types of voices coming from Jesus. There's one voice when he's talking to his sheep, and it's calm. It's quiet. It's sure of himself. Then you have this bold, bold way of speaking, this bold voice when speaking to those wolves, those thieves, those robbers who do not know his voice. It's important that we recognize the voice that Jesus is using within this story. So let's read Jesus as the good shepherd before we get to our understanding of what it means to be a good sheep. Verse 7. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and they have it more abundantly. Praise God. See, I want to pause here because... I would bet, I believe the religious leaders completely understood what he was saying here. They knew exactly what he was doing as he was pointing the big old finger at them and saying, you robbers, you thieves, you whitewashed walls, you evil men. That's what they felt. So even though 
earlier on, they had control of the room. They were causing that chaos, that fear, that anxiety over the people because it was their power trip. They were kings of their little castle. Now they have a bigger king in the room saying, hey, you guys, do you feel that anxiety? You better now. That's what you've been giving my people. And what is Jesus doing? Exactly what he's describing. He is standing as a door between the people and these robbers. You see, he sees the injustice, how someone is treating his little you, his little lamb. He said, uh-uh, not today. And he stands as the door to take the blunt of their arguments, their angry eyes, their, their focus. That's what a door does. You see, this really is a brilliant intro into a beautiful sermon, to put it in ways that we understand. That's what he's doing. This is Jesus' sermon. He's preaching. He's preaching to these people. In a few short statements, he obliterates all fear and anxiety for his sheep, and he transfers it into those robbers, the thieves, the wolves, grabbing the attention of the people and giving direction, peace, and focus which is the character of Jesus. Amen? That is who he is. Now, for this story, there's a small warning I want to highlight when we read this as one big picture, one big story. We all understand, and it's the American way for every story to have the villain and the good guy. And the good guy always wins, right? Well, in this story, it's a little bit different. Because in most stories, you have the good guy you want to imitate and the bad guy you do not want to imitate, right? This story, as sheep, say we are sheep. We are being called by the good guy. And who's the good guy in the story? Jesus is the good guy. We are being called to follow and submit, not imitate in this story. Now understand that we're always called to imitate Jesus. He is our elder brother, the one that we are now co-heirs with, that we are to strive to be like him for people and for the world. Amen? But in this story, you are the sheep he is talking to, and he's giving you direction. In this direction, Jesus is that good guy saying, come run and hide behind me so you do not hear what the robbers and the thieves are saying. We are called to hide behind the door and not try and be the door. How many times do we try and be the door? That is not your role. Do you hear me? That is his role. It will never be your job to be the door. Never. That's his job. Now, what about the religious rulers? Who are they? They're the bad guys. Do we want to be like the bad guys? No, no, we do not. But here's my true warning. Make sure you're never that person who Jesus has to stand as a door and shield from the people around you. Do you hear me? How many times do we flip that switch and we become not the sheep but the wolf and now Jesus has to filter our mouths and our actions to protect other people around us? We've all been there. And if you think not, then you're lying to yourself, and you need to come up and repent with me afterwards. <laughs> Do you hear me? That's a warning we need to stuff in there and 
and make sure that we're not like these religious spirited backbiters that the religious rulers were. We see in this story, Jesus is standing as a door protecting the sheep around him in that courtyard from these religious ruler wolves looking to devour them. And as we read from chapter 9, they did devour that poor blind man and his parents. They were acting as wolves there. That's our example. So don't be like those guys. Can we do that? We have to be careful of that religious spirit or the spirit of unforgiveness or having that spirit of offense because only a wolf operates out of a spirit of unforgiveness. Only a wolf operates out of a spirit of offense. Only a wolf operates out of a religious spirit. Do you hear me? That is my warning. Now, let's continue to read verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But the hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I know my own. As the father knows me, so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. What is he doing right there? He is declaring what is to be. And other sheep I have which are not in this fold, them also I must bring. They will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. And pause right there. Who's he talking about? Us. He's talking about the Gentiles. I think this is something they probably didn't grasp at all in that time. We sure do. Because we wouldn't be sitting here right now if he hadn't said that. So amen. Thank you, Jesus, for saying that bold statement. That's something that you should be highlighting in your verse and in your praise and worship. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for verse 16. Verse 17. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down myself. I have power. He has what? I have power to lay it down. There's your I am statement. What man has the power to lay down his life and raise it back up again? Jesus. He has the power. That's why those rulers were so angry. I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Praise be to God. You see, there's a lot going on here. So I want to sum up what is taking place. You have a crowd of people milling around. These are the sheep. Unsettled, divided, scared of the leaders that they have placed over them. Which is why it's, this metaphor is so beautiful and perfect for them to be hearing and seeing Jesus share with them right now. It's perfect. Then you have this courtyard, which is the sheepfold. Now this can be taken literally and metaphorically. One is it, it's a wall and there's a gate. And Jesus is saying, I'm the door, I'm the gate, and I'm standing right here, and I'm protecting you from what's outside. Literally, there probably was sheepfolds within it with gatekeepers for the sheep that were going to be sacrificed, right? So what a perfect example is say, I am a shepherd, gatekeeper, sheepfold, sheep, they're all right there. If you're confused, take a look to your left. So that's what's going on within there, the courtyard. 
about the thieves, the robbers, the hired hands, the wolves, the, the strangers. These are all negative titles. See, these are people seeking their own benefit, their power, consumption, profit, money. Sound familiar? Pharisees. Or politicians. One of the two. This is referencing Ezekiel 34 and many others. Ezekiel 34, where God accuses the shepherds of Israel, the leaders at the time, for fleecing the sheep. What's that mean? Does that mean they were in it for selfish gain, not protecting them from prayers, but not healing their wounds or meeting their needs. They were in it for their own pocketbooks. That's what God called them. Ezekiel 34, and that's what now Jesus is standing up and pointing his finger at and saying, you are these people. Then lastly, you have the good shepherd. Is who? That's Jesus. Amen. Calls his own sheep out by name. He knows us by name. He has a special song for each and every one of you that's unique only to you. His name is, that he has for you is unique only to you. He goes and makes many rooms in his mansion just for you. You are his sheep. He leads you to still waters. You know what that means? Sheep are so scared, they don't like to drink from running water. So he brings them to still waters, to pastures. That's your shepherd. That's my shepherd. That's someone who loves you, is delicate with you, knows how to treat you. He lays down his own life for you. You see, it's not random that Jesus uses this illustration for himself, for the people he's speaking to. Number one is, this is a huge, one of the main occupations in this time. People knew sheep. They knew how to shepherd. And if you weren't one, you knew one. See, it's a perfect example. We see Jesus' shift from speaking to the deaf and prideful religious rulers who just weren't getting it to the people, his people. And he uses a language, a voice, a method in which they would understand. He does that with us often, doesn't he? He speaks to us, to our own personality, to our own giftings, to our own occupations, our family styles, our, our understanding. He recognizes that. And if we don't recognize it, that's on us because he sure recognizes it. The other thing that Jesus is doing here is he's fulfilling Old Testament promises from several of the prophets within the Old Testament. This is what the religious rulers understood. See, one of them, the very famous Isaiah 40, 11 declares, and I'm going to start in verse 10. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He will feed his flock. His what? His flock, like a shepherd, he will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead them, those who are with young. And Ezekiel 34, 11 and 12, really it's this whole section of Ezekiel, but I'm going to read 11 and 12. For thus says the Lord God, indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out as a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all places where they are scattered 
on a cloudy day. It goes on, but I'm going to skip to verse 22. Therefore, I will save my flock, and they shall no longer be prey. Be what? Be prey. That's Jesus. What is he doing right now? He's defending his sheep. He's standing up and saying, I will be the shepherd, and you will not be prey anymore. For too long you have been trampled on. For too long you've been devoured. For too long you've been leaderless. I will be your shepherd. I will be your leader. I will stand up against this. You will be prey no longer. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. That's a scary thought. Don't read over that. We're going to get to that. Be the good sheep. Amen? I will establish one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them. My servant David, he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, L-O-R-D, Yud-Heh-Vav-Heh, his true name, will be their God. And my servant David, a prince among them, I, the Lord, have spoken. He is saying, I am stamping this. I, the Lord, have spoken. No one speaks against me. He's talking about Jesus coming and fulfilling this through the line of David. This is prophecy taking place before those religious rulers' eyes. Some got it, some didn't. I believe they knew exactly what Jesus was doing. They knew exactly what he was saying. See, this is a major theme, as I said earlier in the book of John. This is a major theme in Jesus' ministry. He knows that the religious rulers understand and see Scripture taking place before their eyes. Everything he does is on purpose, from changing water to wine to talking about sheep and doors and shepherds, it's on purpose. Nothing he does is by accident. And if he did it in his ministry, he's doing it now for you as he pleads on your behalf next to the Father's throne. That's what the Bible says, amen? You see, this is a huge clue for those who knew their scripture. Also, there's something very significant that I believe we do get because we read it as a story that's being said here. His prophetic declaration of what he's going to do, and what was that? To lay down his life. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, implies that this kind of shepherd stands ready to sacrifice the total self, all of himself, Three times in these verses, in those eight verses, three times we hear Jesus make the prophetic statement. It alludes, of course, to him sacrificing seeing his own life for the reconciliation between us and God. See, as we continue, verse 19, Therefore there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. Many of them said he was, or he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? That right there is the number one play of the devil. It's the number one play. He is always going to come in and try and gaslight you. Meaning he's always going to try and come in and say, that's not true. That's just crazy talk. Pastor Corey and Ed and Ryan have to say up there, that's just, that's just baloney. Don't listen to them. I mean, yes, you should judge us against what the word says, but also understand what the devil does. He comes in and tries to divide and steal and destroy. It's the same yesterday and today. He's doing the same thing. We know it. The other said, 
These are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of a blind man? Amen. Amen, amen. What is amazing to me here is that they still don't get it, whoever they are. I'm sure it was divided maybe in half or maybe only a fraction understood and a fraction didn't understand. Or if they got it, how rebellious they were to say, I don't want to listen to this guy because I like my life. I like, I like the cushion of my gold jingling in my pocket. I like what I do. I'm not going to listen to what he has to say. In their division, there's some stuck on the healing of the blind man. Even when so much prophecy and major declaration had been spoken out over them. And I also believe there is division here because religious rulers knew exactly what he was saying. They didn't like it. They didn't want to hear it. And Jesus even says this later. We're going to read. And then others just really didn't understand. They were still lost. But you know there's hope if you're still lost. You might not understand what's going on in life, but that's okay as long as you keep your eyes on the shepherd. Can we do that? And then others, the true sheep in the story, did understand. His disciples, the people around him, they understood, and they're sitting there watching him. What's he going to do next? What's he going to say next? See, in reality, this proves Jesus' point that only his sheep hear and know his voice. That might seem basic for me to say, but we have to recognize it and speak it out. The fact that they, whoever they were, didn't hear what he was telling them proves the point that those would not be his sheep. If they would have, they would have understood and then just followed him, silently watching him as a good sheep. See, I also want to pause here, because can you imagine? So we've been in the shoes of the sheep. We've placed ourselves in the courtyard. Now I want you to place your yourself, step inside of Jesus's emotions. Yes, Jesus had emotions. He has emotions. He understands what we understand. Place yourself in him. When we read this for what it really is and recognize that this is a love letter, we have just read Jesus pouring his heart out for his people, his loved ones, people that he formed because he is the word and the word made everything. Can you imagine the feeling as you are sitting there? Maybe if this would help you, you're holding a baby lamb and you have wolves and robbers and thieves yelling at you. And then you have more lambs that you're worried about and you're scared for and you're saying, come to me. Listen to me. You're pouring your heart out. It's a love letter. And to have those lambs reject him. It's sad. What he would feel would be such a real hard emotion. So separate from everything he's saying, when we place ourselves in his shoes, look at the sorrow that he is going through. Place yourself in his emotions. They didn't get it. They didn't want to get it. Now, as we continue to read, it's clear that, or as we continue to read, it's not clear, at least in my reading and studying between verse 21 and verse 22, 
I don't know if there was a time span there. I don't know if he just moved from one side of the building to the other side. Maybe it was the next day. Maybe it was an hour later. But the story still remains the same. He's still talking about the same thing. There's still that topic of sheep and shepherds and doors. So when we jump to verse 22, I want us to understand this. But Jesus is still trying to illustrate to the people the role of the good shepherd. You see, this goes back to the characteristic of Jesus, where he said it once, he said it again, he said it again, he said it again, he said it again. It's that patience. Be a patient Pete. Be a Jesus. And share again and again. Verse 22. Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple on, in Solomon's porch. When the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name, they bear witness to me. But you do not believe, because you are not my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Praise be to God. See, I read, I read this deliverance in Jesus' voice so much different than I do in the previous several verses. I see a great transition in the story here when we get to between 21 and 22. You see, he's very direct, almost curt in his answers here. He's so bold and direct in how he's speaking to them. You see, there's a great example in these words in his deliverance that I wanted to touch on. You see, I, I can't think of a time ever in Jesus' ministry that he pleads with anybody. Please, please listen to me. He's no milk toast of a man, amen? He is direct in his statements. You see Jesus speaking in very definitive terms. Whoever believes will have eternal life. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. If God were your Father, you would love me. Why do you not understand me? It's because you cannot bear to hear my words. The reason you do not hear me is because you are not from God. My sheep hear my voice. You do not believe because you are not my sheep. Those are bold, direct, strong, courageous statements. Amen? Jesus knows his mission is to seek and save the lost sheep of Israel. He's not going to waste his breath on flowery statements that just skirt around the issue. He is going to be direct and speak the truth and only the truth. He's capital T truth, and he's not going to make it soft. That's his mission. I want you to hear that this is our mission. We are the same. This is our drive. This is our directive. Also, what's beautiful in this entire story is that, and I want us to recognize that we are the Gentiles. We are the ones he's including in this. So it's not just the Jews of the time that he's telling to speak like this. It's us. Now, contrary to what I said before, there is a shift in the story. 
you know, the modeling a good guy and not modeling the bad. I want us to step out of that role of being sheep at this point of the story. Before we were to be a sheep and follow his directive and, and hide behind that door. Now he is talking about evangelism. Now it's time to Im- emulate. It's supposed, you're supposed to imitate who Jesus is and how he communicates to people around him. We are supposed to learn from him in this section on how we are to share the truth. He is showing us how to be definitive like him and how we share his truth. Unapologetically. Do you hear me? He is showing us how to not waver and melt in the face of discrimination. When someone comes against you, you stand bold and firm, just like Jesus did in the eyes of these wolves, these thieves, these robbers, and speak truth boldly, unapologetically into their lives. He shows us how to hear his voice, how to read and hear the truth of his words, and to share that word with boldness. Now, understand, this is not from haughtiness. It's not from conceit or harshness, but it's with courage. It's with boldness. It's with understanding. It's with true love that you share it. Can we do that? See, it's up to us to tell the truth and deliver the mail and remain confident that Jesus' sheep will hear his voice, and will follow him. We must speak with his voice and preach his words. You see, it's not our job to determine who is a sheep and who is not, who will hear his truth and who will not. Our job is to boldly say, this is what Jesus says. And I'm going to share it to you. I'm going to tell you it with confidence. Because it changed my life. It changed who I was. It pulled me out of the gutter of life. So I'm going to tell it to you so that you can be pulled out of the gutter also. It's, up be- it's between you and God and whether or not you will hear that truth and do something with it. That's what he is describing for us. That's what he's modeling for us. And that's what I'm calling you to do when you evangelize. When you share God's truth in boldness and in courage and in truth and in love. Amen? Paul tells us to do just this in Corinthians. In his second letter, 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 5, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it out of the NLT. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. What did he just say? Never trick. Never distort the word of God. It's what Jesus said to do. To speak it out in truth. We tell the truth before God. And all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we do not go around preaching about ourselves. We preach about who? Jesus. Christ is Lord. Amen to that. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. Do you you hear that? Do you read it for what it is? 
That is the role, that is the job of the sheep. Is the sheep's job to be a door? Mm -mm. Is the sheep's job to be a follower and to observe the shepherd and then share what the shepherd has done with other sheep? That's what he is saying. That's what Paul is saying. That's what he's calling us to do, is to do it in boldness and courage and excitement and in truth. So in all of this, and in closing, what is my point? What am I talking about? Ryan, you've been sharing this story, but what are we supposed to do with this? What do I walk out with? Well, I want to leave you with some questions, and it's up to you with what you do. It's up to you with what kind of sheep you are. I want to ask you, what kind of sheep do you want to become? What kind of sheep are you currently? Are you a sheep who knows your shepherd's voice and follows? Or are you a sheep walking in ignorance, struggling against your shepherd's leading every turn? Are you staying within the sheepfold behind the door or in constant running from the fold into the world? What I mean is, do you have one step over here in the world and one step in the sheepfold saying, oh, I'm good? That is not healthy. Do you hear me? Or maybe you're running into the world and doing whatever sinful acts you want to do over here and say, oh, yeah, it's Sunday. I better, oh, Lord, forgive me. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't act right. And then Monday you go back over here. Are you that sheep? It's still a sheep. But are you a sheep that is listening and leading to what the shepherd is saying and doing. You see, our view of our shepherd is dependent on what kind of sheep we are. Are we a rebellious sheep? Are we a weak sheep? A timid sheep? A deaf sheep? A strong-willed sheep? A mature sheep? Are we a good sheep? Following our good shepherd how our heart is towards him is based on what kind of sheep we are. Will you yield and follow or will you judge him based on your own worldly circumstances in view of him? Do you hear me? He is always the same shepherd, praise God. His character never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. How the shepherd interacts with his sheep changes based on the sheep, not based on the shepherd's character. Do you want me to say that again? How the shepherd interacts with his sheep changes based on the sheep, not based on the shepherd's character. His character will always be the same. The character of your shepherd and his feelings will never change, but your feelings towards your shepherd depends on your own attitude and how you act and what you do within this world. It affects your relationship with your shepherd. He doesn't think like a man. We have to understand that, right? He is always good. He's always patient. You don't have to be a good sheep so that he will love you. You don't have to earn his shepherding, but your actions affect how you view him. He will always shepherd you. You will always be his sheep when you're in the Father's hand. But how you view the Father and how you view your shepherd is going to 
be changed by your attitude and your actions. Do you hear me right now? You see, he said he leaves the 99 to get the one. Recognize this, that the sheep that ran away from the 99 was not acting like a good sheep. It was the naughty sheep that ran away. But what did he do with that naughty sheep? He went for it. He chased that one naughty sheep and left the good 99 alone because he loves that one naughty sheep the same as he does the 99 good ones. Amen? He is not a man. He does not think like us. Would we do that? Probably not. He would. He does every time. So once you ask yourself, listen close. Are you getting the warrior shepherd who's always, always, always fighting wolves because you're the sheep that flees the sheepfold to be in the world only to find yourself in the jaws of the wolf? But why, God, is this happening to me? Why, why is this person attacking me constantly? Why do I always get this charge and that attack and this? Why are these wolves always grabbing me and doing this to me? says, yeah, but my sheep folds over there, and I want you to go get in it. says, thankfully, I don't grow weary. Because you're testing the bounds, boy. Are you getting the correcting sheep? Because you're the rebellious sheep that knows good and well how that rod and staff feels in the back of your head. Are you? Ask yourself, am I rebellious? in my relationship with my shepherd. Yeah, but I'm a sheep. Yeah, yeah, good for you. We're on the street as you're rebellious, and you need to take care of that. Those bruises are showing up on the back of your head. Are you getting the quiet shepherd? What you feel is the dry spell, like, how come he's not always running after me? Because maybe you're the 99. This is where I want you to be. When you have the shepherd that's the silent shepherd. Because you're the sheep that's learning and watching and imitating and being directed by the shepherd that you trust and you love and you know. This is the mature sheep. This is the good sheep. See, the good sheep is ready to respond to the leading of its shepherd. The good sheep is waiting and watching and looking to be told, do I go left or do I go right? Which way do I go? Amen? Maybe you're getting the healing shepherd. Amen for that. He's the shepherd that tends your wounds, doting on you. He's tending to your every need. He's loving on you. He's protecting you. But understand that the healing shepherd is only around for a season because once you're healed, he wants you to become the mature sheep that sits there waiting and watching and looking for the direction in which he's going to tell you to go. 
So even if you're in that space, that time of healing, the time of regrowth and, and, and being, being coddled by your shepherd, it's always going to grow into a time in which you need to mature. Do you hear me? Because what's a mature sheep do? What's a good sheep do? A mature sheep does what Jesus did in verse, verses 22 through 25, and he declares truth. The mature sheep tells other sheep about the shepherd and leads them into the sheepfold. So in your time of healing, recognize that your goal is to get out to share how the shepherd healed you so that you can be the mature sheep that leads people who are not his sheep into the sheep pen. Can you hear me? Recognize that we've all been different types of sheep at different times in our life. We've all been these. We all have the bruises on the back of our head. We've all seen the wolf's snarling teeth at our doorstep. We've all needed healing. <laughs> we have recognized the silence of our shepherd. We've experienced all these in different seasons. We've observed the different actions from our shepherd as a warrior as a corrector, as a healer, and as a silent shepherd. But no matter what season we were in, no matter what sheep you were at that time, our shepherd remained the same. He never changed. He never left. His character was the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He was always there. He was never leaving you. Do you hear me? The, his only response is our, his response to our nature. That was the change. His response to what kind of sheep he was dealing with changed. So my challenge is to always remember, to always view your shepherd as the great, never-changing, always loving, always present, always caring, always doting, always leading shepherd. Can we do that? I do not want this church as sheep to label him Whatever label you have in your mind because of your own attitude, whether it be foul or good. When scripture declares him as something else. It is our job to declare him as the way scripture is. As never changing, always loving, always patient, always leading. See, Jesus gives his people some of the most comforting words in scripture. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. We all dream of hearing those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Come into your time of rest. I know I do. I'm going to do that and receive that by being a sheep that hears his voice and follows him. He contrasts several kinds of people. Those who refuse to or cannot hear him. Those who hear him but refuse to follow or obey him. It's a dangerous one. Those who hear him but are afraid to follow because of worries. Those who hear him and follow him. Amen for that. Please stand with me. I want you to ask yourself, what kind of sheep am I going to be this morning? Hold the mirror up first and say, what kind of sheep have I been? Forgive me, Lord, because I want to be this type of sheep.
Do a new work in me this morning, Lord, because I want to be this type of sheep. Forgive me for my actions, Lord, because you're the good and mighty shepherd. That's the question I want you to be asking this morning. And remember what Scripture says, that when we choose to yield and listen, obey, this is only done through prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made to known to God. And the peace, the what? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds to Christ Jesus, who is our good shepherd. Amen? Lord God, I just thank you for your, your goodness. Lord, I thank you for your word, for your direction. Thank you for being our door, our lover, our garter. Lord God, I, I thank you for your direction, that you're holding up a mirror and saying, you are my sheep, but what kind of sheep will you be? Lord, you are a good shepherd. I ask that we become good sheep that follow you, who listen, who obey. Lord God, I ask for a shift to take place in many hearts today, for a way to look into our hearts, to view ourselves the way that you view us. And I ask that you would give us the request of causing us to grow. I ask for humility. I ask for mercy, for grace, for the way that we've lived our lives, Lord. I ask that you would constantly nudge us back to where we are in the safety of the sheepfold. Nudge us along so that we are with other sheep. Don't let us run away from the 99, Lord. And I praise your holy name, Lord, that you have come to retrieve us again. 